We are in the middle of a series where we have been talking about all of the different purposes we believe that God has given to his church. We've been taking some time to kind of go back to the basics. Uh, You know, I told you the story a few weeks ago about when I was driving Sarah to school and completely zoned out and started to turn to go home. Uh, Well, it got worse this week. Um, I was driving Sarah to go babysit for somebody, and it was en route to school, but not to her school, to her sister's school. If you know, Montgomery County schools were out on Friday, and so as I was driving Sarah, I made the right turn to go towards the middle school. And Sarah once again looks at me and goes, Dad, where are you going? Now, this time it was actually worse because I had a whole lot on my mind. And so my thought pattern went like this. I turned to go to the middle school. Sarah's not in middle school. Sarah's in high school. Am I supposed to be taking Sarah to the high school? Why am I taking Sarah to the high school? If I'm not supposed to be taking Sarah to the high school, why is Emma not with me? Because Emma goes to the middle school. Why don't I have Emma with me? Because it's Friday and I'm supposed to be taking Emma to the middle school and Sarah to the high school. Until finally it dawned on me, I was taking Sarah to babysit at someone who lives near the middle school. And it was not a great moment of mine. We all have those moments where we get on autopilot. We get distracted. We start thinking about what's going on in the world around us. And before long, we realize we may not even be going the right direction. So that's what we're spending this fall looking at as a church. Where is it that God wants us to go? So we've been looking at six major purposes that God has outlined for his church. Uh, We've gone through the first two already. We've looked at exalting God in worship, recognizing who he is and responding accordingly. We've talked about encountering God through prayer. Uh, We gave you some practical tools last week to hopefully encourage your prayer life, and I hope that that's been beneficial for you this week. Then we also now are diving into this third one, which is our weakest area as a church. Back in the spring, we took a church-wide assessment and and had you guys, (coughs) excuse me, rank on one of those like strongly disagree to strongly agree kind of things. 71 folks in our church took a survey and said, how are we doing on all of these different purposes? And the one that came back the worst for us is evangelism. Now, I will be honest, evangelizing the world is probably the most difficult because it calls us to go out of our comfort zone. However, as we're looking this morning about sharing the gospel, what I want you to see is this is absolutely essential for us as a church. If we're not sharing the gospel through proclamation and through doing missions, then we are not a church, okay? This, that's how foundational it is. The reason I say that is because if you remember when we gave the big broad overview of what we said that Jesus has called us to do, we looked at Ephesians chapter four. Well, then you also notice then that we also looked there at Matthew chapter 28. Now that should be there on your handout. By the way, um, who did not get a handout that wants one? All right, can I get somebody to maybe, Ricky, this one's easier to pass out this week. All right, did anybody not get a handout that wants one? All right, got a couple of folks. So, uh, Randy's going to get that. So here in just a second, I'll ask you to raise your hands again in just a second to let us know. Um, We're trying to give you a handout so you can take notes a little bit or you have something to doodle on and look like you're taking notes. It's great. Um, All right, so we'll get one to Miss Lynn here in just a second once Randy comes back in with those, all right? So as we're looking at it this morning, though, if you have your handout in front of you, you also see it up here on the screen, we see that one of the key truths that Jesus gave us comes out of the Great Commission there in Matthew chapter 28, right? In Matthew 28, Jesus is talking to his disciples, giving them his last commission before he goes back to heaven uh, to be with the Father. And he says, to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit 
teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, if you need a handout, go ahead and raise your hand real quick, and Mr. Randy will get it to you. All right, we got Teresa, we got Barry, we got Lynn and Pat. All right, great. So as we're looking at this, this is one of, if not the most essential things for us as a church, going and making disciples. Here's the thing. Making disciples is helping people to be able to grow, to live like Jesus, and lead others to do the same. You can't live like Jesus if you've never heard about him. Romans 10 makes that real clear. So for us to be able to make disciples, that means we have to be able to talk about Jesus with other people, okay? Now, you've heard that statement, perhaps, where somebody said one time that, uh, that if, you know, share the gospel, if necessary, use words. That's not sharing the gospel. Do good things for people. That's something God's called us to do. But sharing the gospel is actually using the words in your mouth to talk about Jesus. Now, here's the thing about sharing the gospel. It's hard to do sometimes because we don't like to feel weird, do we? Now, some of you guys, you may object to the fact, get used to the word weird because we're going to use it a lot today. For us to be able to understand what it looks like to share the gospel, next week we're going to talk about some practical tools. I want to help you to be able to to share your story about what God has done, and we're going to talk about that next week. This week, though, we want to look at an example of somebody who did just this. They shared the gospel, and it's early on in the life of the church. It's here in Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. We're looking at the life of a guy named Philip. And to give you a little bit of a background, by the way, uh, if you don't have your Bible open there, go ahead and open up to Acts chapter 8, verse 26. We're going to see Philip sharing the gospel with a official from the country of Ethiopia. Now, Ethiopia in those days was actually a little bit farther north. Um, it was Nubia back in those days, which is not the island from Jurassic Park, just in case you're wondering. Um, it's an ancient kingdom there in Africa. Think more in terms of South Sudan. Uh, it's a little bit, or actually kind of up in the northern part of Sudan. So kind of right there below Egypt, there in the Horn of Africa. And so this guy was an official there. As Philip's doing this, it's interesting because Philip that we're talking about is not one of the original 12 apostles. There is an apostle named Philip, but actually when you look at the context, the Philip here is one of the seven men that God set apart in the church there in Jerusalem to serve in what would eventually be basically a deacon. So this is not Philip, the super apostle who walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus. This is Philip, the guy who had a normal life until God called him to be a deacon and then called him to be an evangelist, as we'll see here. So as God sent Philip out, what's happened is the church was doing great there in Jerusalem. If you remember when Jesus first ascended into heaven, he told the church that they were supposed to start in Jerusalem, then go to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. They're doing a great job of of reaching Jerusalem. But now all of a sudden, persecution has set in. People are starting to die. People are starting to be persecuted for following Jesus. So they scatter. And as they scatter, they end up in places like Samaria. Philip has been in a city in Samaria for a little bit of time. We don't know exactly how long, but he's been preaching the gospel there, and people have been getting saved. There's been miracles taking place. It's been so cool that Peter and John came down from Jerusalem to to Samaria there to see what was going on and said, man, this is awesome to see what God's doing because now the gospel is going from Jerusalem to Judea into Samaria. It's crossing cultural lines. But in the middle of that, God's going to call Peter, or excuse me, call Philip to do something weird. And here's what I want you to see as we look at this story this morning. If you and I are going to be able to adequately share the gospel with those around us, we need to be willing to be weird, okay? We need to be willing to be weird. Now, as I say that, some of you look at me and go, Sean, you've got that nailed. 
right? I am absolutely weird. I shave this morning with a double-edged safety razor, okay? I, I am just weird. I do weird things. I, I followed a guy one time that likes to do like ice baths and stuff like that. So I took cold showers for like two years. By the way, I don't know that it made any difference. Just for those of you who want to try it, I don't know that it actually makes any difference. That's not the weird that I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the weird that comes from being that guy at work who talks about Jesus. The weird who is willing to go. The weird who's willing to say those things. You see, when you bring Jesus into a conversation, it can make things weird. But I want you to see this morning as we look at what God does through Philip uh, and the Ethiopian eunuch there, that, that you want to get to the point where you're okay being weird. All right? So be okay being weird. As you're sharing the gospel, it's going to be that way. So now, uh, let's read the first part of the story to get some idea of what's going on. Like I said, Philip has been in Samaria, had this awesome ministry going on, and God's getting ready to mess up the whole thing. Verse 26, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch and a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. The spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. Now we're going to get into what happens next. But the first thing that I want you to see from this is if we're going to be okay being weird and sharing the gospel, that means that we need to, number one, be willing to go to weird places. Be willing to go to weird places, all right? Now, keep in mind what's been happening. Philip is sharing the gospel with people. And as he shares the gospel with people, he's in a city where there's a lot of people. People are responding. God's doing miracles. There's this tremendous work going on. And so what does God tell Philip to do? Go to a road in the middle of nowhere. Now, we don't know that some people have made a bigger deal out of the, the desert thing. We don't know for sure if this was a well-traveled road or not, but we do know that he's not in the middle of the city. He's now being called to go to the desert. Gaza was the last watering hole before you really hit the desert into the Sinai Peninsula. So as he's going, he's going to this deserted place. As a pastor, I can go ahead and tell you that would not be my favorite thing, right? I mean, God, I I got this cool ministry going on here. Like, I don't know if you've seen it. Like, people are getting saved. Like, we're seeing God do miracles. Like, this is awesome. And you want me to go, where? Well, see, for us to be able to share the gospel with the people who need it, we need to be willing to go to the weird places. I would have a problem with it, but it seemed like a weird place, but that's exactly where God was calling to go. See, for us, some of us, that, that weird place may mean that awkward moment of going around the water cooler and sharing the gospel with your coworkers. It may mean sitting with the weird kid in class or at lunch and actually opening up to figure out what's going on with their life. It may mean being nice to the weird kid on your hall, the weird coworker that nobody ever talks to. It may require you to go somewhere that's weird. It may require you to go. And by the way, when I say weird there, keep in mind I'm not trying to speak dismissively of anybody. Every human being is created in the unique image of God and has inherent value and worth and dignity because of that. But if we're honest with ourselves, I mean, some of y'all look at me real spiritual this morning, like, I don't think anyone's weird. Yeah, you do. It may differ from person to person, but you've got somebody that you sit there and look at and go, man, that guy's weird, right? That's one of the things Samantha and I have often said to each other is, I choose your weird 
Like, you know, we're all weird. You look at somebody else and, and you look at their spouse and you're like, you know, I, I don't know that I could be married to that person because they're just weird. It's like, well, yeah, we're all weird, but I choose you're weird, okay? There may be a time when you have to, to go somewhere weird. By the way, that might be like Zimbabwe or Thailand or somewhere like that. And I'll tell you guys, I've had the privilege of sitting in Zimbabwe and sharing the gospel with people who live a life that's very weird to me. The, the, the life in Zimbabwe, you go back about a thousand years, it feels like, because there's no running water, there's no electricity. There's a strong sense of community that we miss here. Just a beautiful group of people in a beautiful place living a very difficult life. And if you said, Sean, you, you think God wants me to go there? Yeah. Because see, the easy places have been reached. That's one of the things that you look at. When you look at the, the map of, of the globe and see where the most Christians are, the most Christians are in some of the easy places, right? Like they're in Europe or somewhere, although Europe's turning away from the Lord too. But they're in the, the more civilized places, the bush, the back country, the places that nobody wants to be, the places where it's dangerous to be able to, to proclaim Jesus. Those weird places are the places that need to be reached. So, are you willing to go to the weird places? Guys, one of my prayers is that God will call a family from here to take the gospel around the world somewhere in an international missions kind of way. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know where they're going to go. But it starts with you being willing to go talk to your neighbor that you've avoided for the last umpteen years you've lived there because you don't like their dog. It talk, it's you going to that coworker that, like I said, everybody else shuns. It's you being able to cross that boundary, just like Philip was willing to leave everything that made sense and go to the middle of nowhere. You've got to be willing to go to the weird places. Now, when you get there, by the way, I love, before we even get there, I love Philip's response. Look, look at what God does, right? He says there in verse 26, get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Verse 27, so he got up and he went. He just did it. Now, we don't know. Maybe he hemmed and hawed about it, but the text doesn't tell us. I've heard somebody once talk about it in terms of putting your yes on the table and letting God put it on the map, okay? So what does that mean? Saying, God, wherever you go, Whatever you want me to do, I'm putting it on the table. I'm going to let you tell me where it is. Oh, but not there. No, 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 no. Not, not that person. No, 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 no. Be willing to go to the weird places. And when you get there, the second thing you see is you're going to have to be willing to have the weird conversations. You're going to have to have the weird conversations. Uh, keep in mind, in those days, these are open-air chariots and things. And so Philip is down here. He sees this official from Ethiopia coming. And here's where he gets in. Verse 29, the Spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. When Philip ran up to it, okay, first off, just picture this. The road is going down. Now, this guy was a high-ranking official in the treasury, so he probably was blinged out in his chariot, right? Like, it was very noticeable. This guy was affluent. He was in a, a strategic position. And yet, all of a sudden, some guy starts running up to the chariot out of nowhere. That'd be awfully awkward. But then he says this. When he ran up to it, verse 30, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? Now, that's a weird question, Right? This guy is somebody. Like, can you imagine if you're sitting on a plane and you're reading a book 
and somebody next to you looks over and goes, you understand what you're reading? Yeah, I do. I'm putting my AirPods in. I'm not listening to the thing you got to say for the next six hours, right? I'm out of here. It's weird to just go up to somebody and say, hey, do you understand what you're reading? In the middle of nowhere. But what happens? Verse 31. How can I? He said, the, the eunuch said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before its shearer, so he doesn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who's the prophet saying this about, himself or someone else? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. I love it. So imagine this, the, the eunuch has been to Jerusalem. Now, it, it's important, by the way, that the Bible records that this guy's a eunuch, and it's kind of a weird thing to talk about. But at the same time, it's an important thing for you to realize because eunuchs could never fully be a part of God's covenant people under the old covenant. They weren't allowed to go into the temple. Anybody with any kind of disfigurement like that would not have been allowed to fully convert to Judaism, or if he was even born as a Jew, he would not have been allowed into the temple itself. So this guy traveled by chariot some 200 miles to be able to come up to the festivals in Jerusalem, but couldn't get but so close to God. He was wanting to. He was looking for it, and he got as close as he could. But then he had to turn around and come back home. And now he's reading a scroll of Isaiah, of all things to be reading. He's reading in Isaiah chapter 53, which points us to Jesus and what Jesus would do. And so here, Philip runs up and says, hey, you know what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless somebody under explains it to me? Come on up and talk to me about it. And Philip starts right there and explains to him about Jesus. And he tells this man that because Jesus loved us so much, that this is who he's talking about, this one that that loved us, was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before its shears, so he didn't open his mouth. Jesus was humiliated and died on the cross for us, for you, even in your condition, even the fact that you felt like you could never get so close to God. Because of Jesus, he's torn that veil. He's broken down that dividing wall, and now you can have a relationship with God. You can be a child of God through what Jesus has done. So can you imagine this Ethiopian who was longing to know who God was, who wanted to get as close as he could, now has this guy saying, look, Jesus loved you so much, he came for you. He came to draw you to himself. And by the way, this is not just hypothetical that we're talking about this. If you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, he came for you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to draw you to himself, for you to surrender to him and to know the life that only he can give. That's the beautiful truth that Philip shared. But you know what's interesting about this? How did Philip begin his gospel presentation? He began with a question. Hey, do you know what you're reading? He went to where the eunuch was, and he started by asking him about what he was thinking, right? See, here's the thing. In, in churches, we've gotten really good at doing what we call attractional evangelism. That's where we'll have a big event or, or something here and, and invite all of our friends and all, and that, that's not necessarily wrong. But you know what's interesting is 
is God didn't say to tell Philip, hey, why don't you tell the Ethiopian eunuch to come back with you to Samaria for him to come to church with you? No, God sent Philip to the desert road to run up alongside this man's chariot where he was and share the gospel with him there to begin with a question. You know, some of you guys picked up copies of Questioning Evangelism that we mentioned earlier in the summer. That's one of the key principles in that whole idea of sharing the gospel is, is making sure that we ask questions. You see, I, I was trained in some of the, uh, the older evangelism training methods that are more just like, I've got a 20-minute spiel I can give you. Evangelism Explosion has a tremendous ability to be able to cover all the bases that you would need to know to come to know Christ. But if I share the EE presentation with you, I will talk for 20 minutes without you saying a single word. If I get all the illustrations, all the verses, all that kind of stuff. The problem is that doesn't really work all that well because you may have questions that I'm not answering. And I may be answering things that you don't have questions about. It needs to be a dialogue. I saw this clearly when we were flying through Africa one time, actually, and we landed in a a country and a well-intentioned man decided that he wanted to loudly proclaim the gospel as we were landing, okay? He just starts preaching Jesus as as we were landing. Now, I admire the man's boldness. Let's let's be clear on that. If I was his pastor, I would be proud of the fact that he was bold. But at the same time, All I heard was responses in Arabic that were not honoring Christ. You see, that man just kind of interjected that in the middle. And there's a time for us to boldly and publicly declare the truth when nobody wants to hear it. I get it. But how much more effective is it for us to sit on the plane and ask questions, figure out where somebody is, and to be able to maybe have a chance to open up the gospel to them, just like Philip did with the eunuch, as we have that weird conversation. I've had the privilege of having those weird conversations. I was flying back from a friend's wedding and I was exhausted and I didn't want to talk to anybody. I know that's hard for you to believe uh, for those of you who know me, but I actually did not want to talk to anybody on this particular flight. And I sat down next to a lady and it was a 6 a.m. flight out of Florida and I didn't want to talk. And this lady had been to a horse show that weekend. Now, some of you may love horses. I know nothing about horses. I couldn't care less about horses. I especially couldn't care less about horses at six o'clock on the morning after what had been a busy weekend, after what was a really bad season in our life, okay? Like there was just a lot going on. I don't care. But as we start talking, she finds out that I'm a pastor. And she says, by the way, I have some friends who are Jewish. What's the deal with the Jews? Now, I would never lead off with Abraham if I was just cold starting with a gospel presentation. But that was her question. And God, by his grace, woke me up enough and through his spirit, allowed me to start with Abraham and go through the gospel till we got to Jesus and explain to her about who Jesus was and why it was so important to have a relationship with him. Now, I'd love to say that that lady gave her heart to Christ that day, but she didn't, as far as I know. But you know what was interesting was she actually said, I'm the administrative assistant to the provost of one of the universities out in the Midwest that was pioneering fetal stem cell research. And I've never understood why Christians get so mad about abortion. So I was able to sit there and talk to her and say, you know, this is why. Because we believe that every human being is created in the image of God, and God created all of us for a relationship with him, with unique value, with unique ability. Now, I have no idea, never heard any contact from her. I gave her my information, didn't hear anything later. I have no idea what God did with that. I have no idea if if that woman ever came to Christ. I have no idea what's taking place. 
But had I started off and just launched into a gospel presentation, I probably wouldn't have gotten anywhere. But by God's grace, I let her talk. She asked some questions, and he allowed me to respond. Now, for Philip, he gets to actually see the man come to Christ. Because he tells this man that he can have a relationship with God that he didn't know existed. It may be that God calls you to have those weird conversations. Are, are you willing to do that? By the way, people are more than happy to talk most of the time. So asking questions is a tremendous way. Just, well, why do you think that? Why do you feel like that? Somebody may ask you a question, something like, well, well how could a good God let bad things happen? Almost always, there's hurt behind that question. It's not a logical question. Now, there may be logical issues that we can address with that. And like I said before, Paul Metzler can help you address that. Mike Montgomery and others can help you with the apologetic side of that. But nine times out of 10, the best question you can start asking is, I, before I address that, I, that sounds like that's probably coming from something painful that's happened. What is it that, that's bothered you? Has there been something like that that's taken place? And you can redirect that conversation towards their own personal experience, their own pain, their own fear. And you can start addressing what God wants to share out of the gospel from there, okay? Be willing to have those weird conversations. It might make it awkward. It will be awkward. And especially if you've never done it or if you're not familiar with sharing the gospel often, you feel like you're just totally throwing yourself out there. But be willing to have those weird conversations. Why? Because if we're willing to go to the weird places and have the weird conversations, then we get to be prepared to see God do weird things. We get to be prepared to see God do weird things. I love the way that this story ends. First off, imagine as you're going through this desert road, we see this, uh, verse 36, as they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch didn't see him any longer, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Azotus, and he was traveling and preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. I love this story. It would be such a cool moment to see. First off, there's the real miracle that takes place here, and that is that the Ethiopian eunuch hears the gospel and responds by placing his trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord. That means in that moment, God took that man from being spiritually dead and made him spiritually alive, and he allowed Philip to be a part of it. So that's what he was demonstrating as he said, well, look, I'm ready to follow Jesus. So why don't I, I do that thing you told me that, that we're supposed to show everybody that I want to follow Jesus. So why don't we just get baptized right here? Now, typically, by the way, in a normal situation, I would encourage you to get baptized with a church family around you just as a public way of declaring your identification with Christ. But this guy's getting ready to go back to Ethiopia. There are no Christians there as far as we know. He's the first one. So it's kind of a desperate time kind of thing. So they pull over. He gets out. He has this privilege of saying, it's my privilege to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're buried with Christ by baptism and death, raised to walk in newness of life. Gone. What? Philip just disappears. Now, am I telling you that if you go to Zimbabwe and share the gospel, that all of a sudden God's going to transport you back to Roanoke? Man, I wish. The worst part about going to Zimbabwe is the 25 hours of flying each direction. I hate that stuff, man. But that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying you will have that privilege of watching God work in a heart to draw somebody to salvation, to see God free them from fear, to see them give them hope and purpose that they've never known. You'll see the extraordinary take place. 
Now, you'll see extraordinarily sad things, too. I think about a time when I was sharing the gospel with a friend, and we were in Maine, and we saw this lady there. We were renting a car from her, and my friend was a church planner and was just great at sharing the gospel, and he shared the gospel with her and asked her if she was ready to receive Christ. And you could watch it go across her eyes the moment she rejected, said, no, I don't think so. You'll see that. But you'll know that you were faithful to share. And you'll sit in a homestead in Zimbabwe with a guy. This picture was on our board for a while. It said, if you come back in October, I'll give my heart to Christ. I'll follow your Jesus. But I have one more ceremony I have to do for our family. He had one more pagan ritual he had to do. Some things happened with our friends in Zimbabwe, and we can't go back to that village. I have no idea if that man ever gave his heart to Christ. But I have seen those who do. I have seen joy. I've seen hope. Where God's allowed me to be able to share the gospel with people. To see God do weird things. Again, I'm not saying that God's going to transport you 20 miles away like he did Philip. That'd be cool if he did, but you know what's amazing about this is Philip lands in Azotus. We don't know, like, I have no idea the logistics of how this thing worked, but it's about 20 miles away. And so he just starts preaching and he works his way up all the cities of the coast till he gets to Caesarea. It's awesome. Because he was willing to go to weird places and have weird conversations, he got to see God do weird things. By the way, as far as we know, uh, Nubia, which was Ethiopia that day, um, that was what the Romans considered the farthest end of civilization. We know that there were other Africans who were present when, on the day of Pentecost when the gospel was shared. So there may have been other converts from Africa. But as far as we know, the Ethiopian eunuch was the first one that far south to the end of what they thought was a civilized world. So because Philip was willing to go to the weird place and have the weird conversation, he has the honor of being the one who shared the gospel that went the farthest with the early church. All because he was willing to see God do weird things. So my question for you is, are you willing to be weird? By the way, some of you are sitting here thinking, okay, he's wrapping up and it's actually early. Sorry, it's not going to be that way. We need to be willing to be weird individually. We need to be willing to have those kind of conversations, to go those kind of ways, do those kinds of things, to get in people's lives and share the gospel with them. But we also need to be willing to partner with those who are. You've been hearing us talk a little bit over the last few weeks and some even this morning about a church in Roanoke called the Hill Church. The Hill Church is a multi-ethnic church plant that's getting started in Northwest Roanoke. They're doing a tremendous job of reaching their community the plans and the visions that God has given them for what they can accomplish through the area that they're in are unbelievable. And I wish that Pastor Charles could have been here with you this morning. Uh, He texted me, he was gonna try to get some folks from their church to come down, but they have a wedding in the church this weekend. And so a lot of folks are traveling to that wedding. And so he wasn't able to get any of his folks to come down here. But what we do have is we've got about a five and a half minute video that tells you about the ministry that God is doing through the Hill Church there in Roanoke. What I want you to do as you watch this video is two things. Number one, pray for what God is doing through the Hill Church. And then number two, we're also taking up a love offering this Sunday and next Sunday that will help us to be able to kind of support the work that God's doing through them. So begin praying about how God would have you to participate in that. So Jamie, I'm gonna let you turn your attention to the screen and hear from Charles and the Hill. 
my wife and I, back in 2016, uh, dropped our older son, Kyrie, off at Liberty. And on our way back home, my wife wanted ice cream. And so we took some time to get the ice cream and then we went up to the mountaintop where the star is here in Roanoke. When we went to the mountaintop, when we went to the star, is I believe where we both just felt the Lord doing something in our hearts for this city. We didn't say anything to each other until about a month later. My wife looked at me and was like, uh, how about we plant a church in Roanoke? We didn't think we would be trying to plant a church because of the challenges in church planting, because we've been a part of a church plant before, but we really did feel that God was calling us to come plant here. And so in 2017, we relocated and arrived here in Roanoke, Virginia. The first few weeks here was scary. It was really a God move. And we were just trusting that this is where he was calling us to be and that he will make the provisions. Roanoke has a history. Uh, the church is very segregated. And so we knew um, pretty early in that God was calling us to do something different. And so we tried to take time to learn the city, to serve the city before we launched the church. Psalm 121, I will look to the hills for where my help comes from. It's not in the hill or the mountaintop, but it's in the Lord. And so we wanted the Hill Church to be this place of refuge, um, to be this place where the Lord was elevated above anything else. I'm Danita Ray. I'm a member of the Hill Church. One of the things that drew me to the vision for the Hill Church was their focus on the Northwest area of the city. We started to feel the call to plant in the Northwest Quadrant but we knew it was a more challenging financial place, uh, poverty, crime. And so after a while of uh, fighting through what we were trained to do, we realized we needed to surrender to what the Lord was calling us to do. And so we surrendered and we just said, all right, Lord, what you trying to do? We closed on this building in December of 2019. It is perfectly located in the midst of some of the most challenging stats, not only just in our region, but nationally, from divorced families to children with diabetes to poverty. I mean, you name it, within a mile radius, you have all those challenges and crime, a food desert. And so we have a 45,000 square foot facility. What do you do with a space like this? One of the problems here is the dormant economic engine in the community. Well, we want to provide opportunities for that. We want to provide opportunities for counseling. We want to provide opportunities um, for students to have mentoring programs. And so we want this building to be used seven days a week with a gospel presence, which is the first phase of the building, is for it to be renovated for the gospel of Jesus Christ to go forth. And then the other half of this building will be renovated for a Christian Community Development Corporation. And that will provide opportunities for the flourishing that is needed from the grocery store to counseling to a coffee shop in the facility. We definitely want a robust children and youth ministry. We are right in the midst of a community that needs that. There are so many children that ride up and down the street and they often ask me, hey, mister, what's happening in this building? And the second thing is, can I come when it's open? And I, and I don't even promise them like a bunch of crazy stuff like video games. I just tell them there's a church gonna be here and they're excited. And so we wanna make sure that we have something amazing for them to come to. We are going into a part of the town that my father grew up in. 
It means a lot for me to be going back there and helping the community that's there now. While we were praying and trying to figure out what God was calling us here to do, we realized that part of that was to address the segregated side of the church here in the valley, to plant a church that's diverse, multicultural, multi-ethnic. Our mission is to be a beautiful mosaic, loving God and loving one another. That has probably been one of the most unique things that's marked us, because our church is diverse. We have people from all walks of life. We have people from all around the city. It's beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful things about this church. We are actually living out what we're trying to do as we are um, moving into this part of the city. We're actually doing it at a slow pace, um, one person at a time, very often, but we're very vocal and serious about the gospel. We're called to love God and then to love our neighbors as ourselves. And they're our neighbors. We need to love them. So that is Pastor Charles, and that is the Hill Church. Um, there's actually been some developments even since they were able to film that video. Uh, they now not only have one facility, they've actually been given a second facility. And so what that's going to enable them to do is the, the one that's centrally located that he's referring to there. They're in the process of renovating the sanctuary and getting that set up, as well as opening a, an actual coffee shop out of the sanctuary, out of that main building. Uh, so they need about $500,000 to complete all of that. And actually, they have the funding to complete that. But what they don't have the funding for then is for what they want to do with the back half of the building. Because God has provided them this other facility that is a little bit further out of the neighborhood, um, they're looking at being able to take that back half of that facility and convert that into a youth space. And so they're looking at being able to be a youth community center there right in the heart of the neighborhood. He said, if you come down in the afternoon, there's 30 kids playing basketball out on the parking lot already. And so we're looking at being able to come alongside them to be able to furnish them with resources for whatever it is that they need. Uh, we didn't put any restriction on this for them, that they've got to use it for this or got to use it for that. Um, I trust Charles. Um, to give you an idea, he is an absolute go-getter. They were getting launched right when the pandemic started and lockdown happened. Uh, he's got some construction background, and so he learned how to do lead paint removal. And so he spent the lockdown, because there wasn't anything else for him to do, removing the lead paint out of the building and doing that himself. So he's going to get after it. He's going to be working hard to do these things. Like I said, I wish that he could come down and you could hear the vision from him directly. Um, I had the privilege of sitting down. If you saw one of the, the uh, quick shots that they had, they had a young Roanoke City police officer that was in one of the shots that you saw. Um, that young man is sensing a call to ministry, and so God's working in his life. I had the privilege of sitting down with him for lunch. They're doing a tremendous job of reaching their community, and I think God's going to do great things through them. So here's what we'd like to give you the opportunity to do then. This week and next week, we would love for you to be able to give to support the work of what God's doing there through the Hill Church, all right? Now, if you notice on the screen, you've got several different ways to be able to give. If you're using the church center app that we've been talking about over the last few weeks, you'll notice that there is a link at the bottom that's got that little icon right there uh, that says the Hill Church, and that's a giving form for you to be able to give directly to that love offering. 
You also can use the special giving link that's in the mobile bulletin. So if you scan the QR code or if you got the bulletin via text, you can use that. There's also a way for you to do text to give. Um, so you can text uh, the donation amount and the word hill to 84321. And you do have to type it just like that. So tell it, you're going to text to 84321 and type 25 hill. Okay, and then it'll take you through the setup process and things like that. If none of that makes any sense to you, don't worry about it. You can also just put cash or check in one of the specially marked love offering envelopes that you see in the back of the pew there in front of you or out there by the offering box. If you'll fill that out and put that in the offering box, we'll make sure that all of that goes towards it. By the way, just for full disclosure, uh, the church had received a generous donation and we'd earmarked a large portion of that donation to go towards this offering. So we're looking to be able to allow the church to, to have an additional part in that. So pray about it this week. Any of the online giving options, you can actually use throughout the week. So you can pull up the Church Center app and go through there and do that, or the text to give. Any of that is available throughout the week as well. So feel free to use that. Pray about how God would have you to give. Now, here's the thing. I hesitated doing the love offering the same time we were talking about evangelism, but I wanted to get it done because it's a little bit of both. We'll be doing proclamation and we'll be supporting those who are doing things in missions, right? But that does not absolve us of our responsibility right? I I can't just outsource my evangelism to Charles and the guys at the Hill. We can't say, well, Charles and them are doing a great job of reaching Northwest Roanoke, so we don't really need to do much to reach Christiansburg. So we want to be able to come alongside and support folks that are doing the work, but that doesn't keep us from needing to do it as well. So let me just give you just a minute here to to do some business with God. I want to invite you to close your eyes, bow your head. We're not going to do anything weird. I just want to give you a second to respond to what God is saying. So here's the few different points for you to think about. Number one, is there a weird place, a weird person, a weird conversation that you have been holding off on just because you're nervous about it and you just don't know? Would you pray for God to give you the strength, to God to give you the open door and open heart on the people who will be hearing for you to be able to share the gospel with them? And again, next week, you may not be sure how to do that. We're going to give you a couple of tools next week that you can use to have those conversations. But don't even wait until next week. Just talk about what God's done in your life. Start the conversation now. Maybe you feel like God's calling you to go on an international trip. Maybe you feel like God's calling you to plant your life overseas. What would it be? Maybe to move to a neighborhood that's underserved. Move to a city or a town that desperately needs Jesus and be the light of the gospel where you are. What's it look like for you to share? And then also with your head bowed and your eyes closed, how would God call you and your family to be involved in supporting what God's doing through the Hill Church in Roanoke? What would God do with the resources that he's entrusted to you to further his kingdom through the partnership that we're developing with the Hill. Just so you can be prepared too, my hope is that this isn't the last that we hear from the Hill Church. My hope is that God's gonna allow us to go up to Roanoke and help them out sometime. Partner together in reaching their community and maybe them come down and help us to reach ours. But together we would work and see the gospel spread and expand as God works. So you just do business with God there where you're seated this morning. If you need to talk with me, I'd be honored to talk. And if not, 
and just pray about how God would have you to respond. And I'll close this in just a moment. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for men like Philip who are willing to go to weird places to have weird conversations, but had the privilege of seeing you do weird, unusual, extraordinary things. Would you help us to be a church who's willing to do the same thing? Help us to go to the weird places, the things that don't make sense, the people that nobody else will go to or talk to or reach. Help us to have the conversations that feel so awkward at times but are always worth it because you're worthy. Help us to see you do what only you can. Things that are so astounding that they make us scratch our heads and wonder about how amazing you are. God, we thank you that we're not alone in this. But we have other brothers and sisters at other churches who are sharing the gospel as well. So today, we thank you for Charles and Trené and for what you're doing through the Hill Church. We thank you for the ways that you're at work there already, the the tremendous things that you're doing, and ask that you would use the resources that we're committing to them to further your kingdom, to help them to complete whatever they need to complete or to pay salaries when they need to pay that or, or to meet needs or whatever it is, God, would you further your work in your kingdom through the offering that we're taking up this week for the Hill Church? Would you allow this to blossom into a true partnership where we can pray for them and they can pray for us and we can partner together to reach their neighborhood and they can come down to reach ours so that we can reflect your kingdom and your glory in a great way? God, do what only you can through this offering. Help us to be faithful to give, faithful to honor you, faithful to share the gospel as we go. Thank you that the gospel is such an incredible message, that Jesus is absolutely worth it. Help us to honor you this week, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, folks. Well, thank you so much for being here to worship with us this morning. I hope that it's been an encouragement to you. If you're a guest with us, again, please, if you have not filled out a connection card, if you could drop that in the uh, the offering box as well. That's the only thing we would ask for you to give today is just let us know so we can follow up and let you know how grateful we were that you were here with us. Uh, you're all welcome and invited to come back at four o'clock this afternoon for our picnic. And we may be inside depending on the rain, I guess, but it'll be a great time to get together and hang out out anyway. So thank y'all for all you're doing. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you in four hours. (laughs) All right. God bless you guys. You're dismissed.